Hello and welcome to Six Sad World. I'm Mari. And I'm Jasmine. So today, um, actually Mari came up with the theme. We were thinking about doing a Christmas themed episode, um, but you know, that's... Then I thought, well one, I didn't want to be religiously (laughs) exclusive and two, I didn't want to ruin everybody's holidays. Yeah, like Christmas is a time where it's a, a very commercial holiday right now. But you know, it's a time where you, you, you like try to enjoy, right? Yeah, and like, <laughs> I might be like a spooky kind of person, but that doesn't mean I don't also want a merry, jolly Christmas or holiday or whatever. Yeah, exactly, whatever. So um, instead of Christmas-themed crimes um mari came up with this brilliant pun and excuse my delivery because i'm not very good with puns i'm not a punny person as some people would say so we are doing cold cases because at least up here in canada it's cold it's <laughs> and, uh, um, typically, that's how you deliver a button. Well, there we you go. You blurt it. You just blurt it. <laughs> and up here in the great old north, typically Christmas happens when it's cold, unless you're from like California or something. Then it's not cold when you have or your Australia, Christmas. where it's summertime all the time. <laughs> well, it's uh, in December. It's summertime. Is it really? Are these yeah, because the southern hemisphere. I don't know geography. Is- I don't know geography either, but <laughs> I know that. Um, so we just got a case for both of from both of us. Um, Mari is gonna start off with theirs, and um, it's close to home. And well, super depressing. Have fun. <laughs> uh, any sort of content warnings I should remind you about before we get started, or yes, you got that covered? Thank you for You're reminding welcome. me. I did set up my content warning better this time so it's not above my title um so i am going to be talking about a string of cold cases from the 1970s that all took place in what is now known as toronto's gay village uh so content warnings obviously homomysia i'm gonna also be talking about uh police violence briefly i will also be uh, describing their deaths, um, kind of not super graphic detail, but I'll let you know when I'm actually getting into them and, um, you can make decisions based on that. So earlier this year, Bruce MacArthur was arrested and charged with eight counts of first degree murder at the age of 66. The murders span back to 2010. However, forensic psychiatrist John Bradford, which I stole this from the Fifth Estate, mm-hmm. um, uh, thinks that it'd sti- be it'd be statistically incredible for someone to begin their killing career so late in life. Yeah. Uh, police even began to look into a series of cold cases that could be linked to MacArthur. Um, I'd also like to mention that there hasn't really been any comment on these cases yet. Um, I don't think they've necessarily ruled it out but they also haven't confirmed it okay and it might all come out at the trial yeah so um like the police might just might be hanging on to that information excuse me um from 1975 to 1978 there was a a spate a word because i wrote it spate yes spate Spate? Yeah, it made sense when I was doing this at <laughs> three in the morning. Well, what's the context for the word? <laughs> like, like, uh, a, it, there was a spate of homicides. Like, there was like a bunch of them in a. Anyways, there was a bunch. Okay. There was a grouping. Okay. There is a word that is better than spate. Okay. Yeah. That may or may not be a word. Um, of homicides of gay men, or at least, uh, connected to the gay community. Um, not all of them were necessarily out 
are specifically identified that way. Um, it is a word. Cool. I'm English. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm not English. <laughs> that is a ethnicity I just realized. Anyways, um, in three and a half years, 14 uh, men were killed and only half of them were solved. Um, but there, the other half, the seven murders um, that are left unsolved, share similarities with MacArthur's M.O. and the intensity of his killings. So, for some context, it was only in 1969 that same-sex adult sexual behavior, and that's how it was described, wow. was decriminalized in Canada. Before 1969... It was illegal for consensual adult, yeah, same sex sexuality in any form, yeah, which is like kind of messed up. It's not that long ago when you think about it. Like, legal gay sex is younger than my mom. Oh yeah, it's younger than my parents. I mean, that's messed up. Anyways, <laughs> I mean, it's not going to get any better from here. No, no, no. You guys are in for a ride. That's for sure. Um, so in the 70s, it was still extremely dangerous to be openly gay or outed as gay. People faced losing their jobs, their homes, and even exiting one of the popular gay bars or bars that were kind of popular with the gay community um, on Young Street could get you assaulted by groups of gay bashers. And, like, there are, like, stories of people who are getting, like, egged and having rocks thrown at them. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, like, in the 70s, you couldn't leave the bar alone, basically. Because if you were alone, they would basically corner you in the one of the alleys. You become a target. And beat you pretty much nearly to death. Mm-hmm. So, there was that. Yeah. Um, this was also a time of increased tensions between the gay community and the police. Hmm, not anything like now. Totally not reflective of our current society. It's not like anything's changed in 40 years. Um, um, so the police frequently raided bathhouses and sometimes outed the men that were arrested during the raids. What shitholes. Which, you know, put them at risk. Uh, a lot of them got fired and uh, were thrown out of their homes and, you know, um, disowned by their family, that kind of thing. Um, officers were also known to use entrapment. So basically they would, like, hang out in, like, public restrooms um, where they knew a lot of, like, gay people hung out. And then as soon as, like, anything gay started to happen, they would, like, jump in and be like, you're arrested. And they would yeah. hang out, like, at university bathrooms, bars, um, hotel rooms. They would mm-hmm. hang out near hotel rooms and stuff like that, too. And um, I think there was also some cases where they would even try to solicit the sexual... Yeah, interaction at first and then like once they agreed to it they would arrest them so it was like a really terrible time to be out as gay or to be found out as gay or to even be perceived as gay yeah um so now i'm gonna get into the murders so the next part might be upsetting for some listeners um i'm gonna be talking about all seven victims Um, but I'm also going to be talking about their lives as well as their deaths, so it's going to be a little hard to skip through if you just want to miss the murder parts. Um, so do keep that in mind if you need to, like, pause and, like, do this at another point. That's, we're giving you permission. Because it's sad. Yeah. I'm, like, already sighing. Like, my breath is just, like, coming out, like, really heavily. <laughs> like, I feel out of breath. I'm just like, I'm so sad. It's, like, exhausting. 
It's tiring. I'm not even talking much, and I'm like, oh, I'm so tired, and you haven't even started talking about the thing yet. <laughs> I don't know. I keep doing this, but it's like the conclusions part is why I keep picking these topics, mm. and then when I do all the backstories, when I get really sad and tired, and I'm like, why? Why do I do this? Why is this happening? Um, so, in the early hours of February 18th, 1975, Arthur Harold Walkley's roommate discovered Walkley's body in his bedroom. Walkley was a 32-year-old history teacher and community activist. He was also a part-time lecturer at the University of Toronto. He was found naked and was stabbed five times in the chest and back. His credit cards had been stolen, and he had last been seen leaving a gay bar on Young Street. So... So, what I also found interesting was that the original kind of gay strip was a strip of Young Street. Yeah. Because right now the gay village is technically around um, Church and... It's in the East End, right? Well, Church and Wellesley. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Like, just into, like, where it becomes the East End. Just into the East End. Like, it's it's on that border. Yeah. And, uh... Like, I think that came with the kind of how Young Street has also developed a lot since um, the 70s because it it actually used to be, like, a really seedy place and now it's all this, like, expensive, trendy kind of hip place to be. Yeah. So, I just thought that was interesting. Um, A little fun fact to... Lighten the episode. <laughs> I was going to say, is it actually fun? <laughs> Anyways, um, the next murder happened on December 20th, 1975. Police were called to St. Charles Tavern, a well-known gay bar. Or, I guess it was well-known for, um, like, gay community meetings and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, at about 8.50 p.m., they found Frederick John Fontaine in the bathroom suffering from blunt force trauma. Fontaine was 32 and a CBC technician. He was rushed to the hospital where he remained in a coma until his death on July 15th, 1976. Mm-hmm. So he was in a coma for like seven months. It's a long time. It's, it's like ridiculous. Um, he was just so badly beaten. Yep. On February 11th, 1976, James Douglas Taylor was found in his bedroom by his 21-year-old son. Taylor was 42 years old and a widower, and he ran a painting and decorating business. His brother Claire said that he was often taken advantage of because he was so good-natured and sensitive. He had been attacked with a baseball bat and was badly beaten. Um, another kind of weird thing was that Claire, his brother, was attacked with a hammer and killed four and a half years later, but his killer was found. Okay. Neighbors uh, apparently had complained about Taylor being, like, noisy and that there was a lot of screaming coming from his house, but I don't know. I don't know if I necessarily... Like, mm. it seems like kind of an excuse for why they didn't Do call any, the police yeah. or, like, didn't say anything when when it happened. Yeah. I was going to say, it sounds a little BS. Um, then, on September 20th, 1976, police found the body of James Stuart Kennedy in his house. He was a 49-year-old federal income tax employee. His neighbors described him as a recluse. He, his employer called the police when he failed to come into work, and he was found with a towel na- knotted around his neck, and his face was badly beaten. His credit cards were also missing. Um, another body would be found on January 25th, 1977. Brian Dana Latoki, it's how they say it on all the news channels, mm. he is the like, Ukrainian, so it, it's probably supposed to be Latotsky, but whatever. I don't know how he would have pronounced it. Yeah. Um, he was 24 years old and a financial analyst with TD Bank. He's young. He's younger than us. Yeah, and it's like, it's like 
Yeah. <laughs> it's sad. Um, I mean, it's all sad. It is, but it's just like, it's... It's like, just like this baby. Yeah. I just, I remember when I was like young and I remember 24 seeming like so old. So when I heard like, this person dies at 24, I was like, oh, at least they lived a long life. And now I'm like, babies, yeah. infants, oh, children being murdered. Yeah, basically. Like it's, it really puts in perspective for you how like young a person is like dying or being murdered in your early 20s. Um, he was described as shy and new to the gay scene. He was last seen leaving the St. Charles Tavern, um, supposedly with an East or West Indian man. Uh, he was found in his apartment strangled and stabbed to death. Uh, his cousin Nancy doesn't think that there's a connection to Bruce MacArthur, but she's also kind of saying that because it's 40 years later and she just wants to, like, leave it in the past. Yeah, it's like... Which I think it's kind of messed up, but whatever. Mm-hmm. She cared enough to talk about it on the news. But she also just wants to let it be. Yeah. Interesting. <clears throat> um, the most high-profile cold case didn't happen until September 20th, 1978, when police found the body of Alex Sandy Romeo LeBlanc. Yeah, it's a long name. It's very long. He was 29 years old and a well-known club, uh, club owner in the Toronto gay scene. So he owned a gay bar. Yep. Uh, LeBlanc had been stabbed more than 100 times. There was so much blood that the carpet apparently made squishing noises when police moved around the room. And once, like, it... Like, the idea of that, the image of that in my head, just, like, makes me sick. It's like... Because, like, think of carpeting in the 70s. It's not... It's not thin carpeting. No, it's the thick shit. The thick, like, fibrous. Not, like, inch of carpet. Yeah. So your doors had to have that giant crack underneath. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's mind-boggling to me. It's definitely not a, a pleasant thought. Um, And the last case that has been suggested could be linked to Bruce MacArthur so far... Um, is Duncan Robinson. He was found in his home on November 28th, 1978. Um, so this is literally like almost 40 years ago. Yep. To the day. Yep. Um, he was 25 years old and described as a quiet, shy man who lived alone. He was last seen on November 26th, also leaving St. Charles Tavern. With a tall, lanky man with dark, and he's described as, uh, this is what witnesses described him as, apparently. Mm-hmm. A uh, tall, lanky man with dark brown, greasy hair, sloping shoulders, large, dirty hands and feet, which I'm not oh, sure how okay. you know if the feet is dirty unless were his feet were out. Sandals? In which case, everybody in sandals has dirty feet. <laughs> yeah, I don't. <clears throat> but it's also November, so why are you wearing sandals? Uh-huh. Maybe he just doesn't have any other... I guess it's just, like, they're complaining that he looks poor. Maybe. Um, and an offensive body odor. So I think maybe... I don't know. Maybe he was more, you know, without home looking. I forget the appropriate word. Uh For... Someone who doesn't have a home? Yeah. There's, like, an actual... There's a more concise phrase. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, the man also walked com- clumsily. So, like, part of me feels like these witnesses are just, like, people that could have been scapegoated. Because the only witnesses, like, the witnesses only yeah. see these men leave with, like, someone who looks... Some weirdo. Yeah, like, someone who looks, like, poor or someone who's brown. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying that it can't possibly be those people, but, but I am like, saying it is a little strange that those are the only people who seem yeah. to come up in these investigations. Like, nobody's been, they like... actually, like, noticed. They weren't <clears> taking <throat> notice to, like, just your generic, like, white guy. They only would have noticed the odd the odd one. I'm doing air quotes. The odd one out. Yeah. I just, uh, I don't know what it means. I'm not going to do too much speculation. It could be possible that they did do the crimes, 
But we don't know. Like investigations were so shitty that we'll, we'll never know. Um, that night, a neighbor heard a peculiar, loud, hollow noise, um, but didn't hear anything when he passed by the door. Um, an hour later, the stereo was blasting, so he didn't really think anything of it. Yeah. His sister called the police when he didn't show up for work for two days. Um, he had been stabbed in his chest and body and was described as badly mutilated. Um, they did find a blood sample from the killer, so I feel like this is one of the ones that could be ruled in or out. Yeah. Um, unless that blood sample just didn't save well. Because yeah. it has been 40 years. That's a long-ass time. It's short and long. Yeah. So, those are the seven deaths, um, unsolved cases. Yeah. Um, as I said, it's very possible that some, if not all of these murders, uh, were perpetrated by different people, um, and are in no way linked to MacArthur, um, but I think we mentioned it in our first episode with the Jack the Ripper case. Mm Mm-hmm. It's almost scarier if these were all different people. Yeah, it's it really is. If they're all different perpetrators, then that's terrifying that that many people are just so capable of killing people mm-hmm. and then also being able to get away with it. Yeah, and, like, these are especially violent crimes. It's not just, like, um, <clears throat> crimes of convenience or, you know, I need to do this to survive or you know like whatever yeah these are crimes of just hate hate and like um it's been told like it also makes sense that it's um someone within the gay community as well because um there is a lot of like internalized feelings but also it's the vulnerability yeah you're if you're in the gay community, you already know how vulnerable these people are. And it's easier to prey on them. Yeah. Okay. I have more. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit more. There are no more murders, but more to talk about. Nice. Um, <laughs> sociologist John Allen Lee uh, does think that there is a pattern, even though police at the time said there weren't. Um... It was actually, like, the Body Politic, which was, like, the first gay newspaper in Toronto. Oh, okay. I was like, what is that? Um, was the first to suggest that it was uh, the work of a serial killer. Um, uh, Lee didn't say that it specifically had to be uh, one killer, um, but that the victims did fall into kind of two categories. The first is young men who are shy and don't know how to talk to people, mm-hmm. which in a lot of the descriptions of the victims, it, seems, um, it was like, he was shy, he was reclusive, he was this. He was quiet, he was <clears> and so forth. And the other category is um, people who I guess you would describe as desperate, unattractive, and usually older men. Um, and... That these categories can also overlap. So there are some of the men who aren't necessarily old, um, but they're, you know, new to the gay scene and they're unsure and shy and stuff like that. Uh, These types of men typically internalize the negative ideas about themselves um, or they're unsure of their gayness. So especially with the older men, because it was like, illegal to be gay before this, when they were younger, instead of, you know, sowing their wild oats or whatever, or, you know, getting to actually live their their gay lives, they had to kind of um, hide away from everybody and become isolated. And so then uh, the idea of a gay man back then was that it was this older man who never had, like, never lived with anyone and he's, like, cranky and whatever all the time and that kind of thing. Um, and so these men, now that it's legal, they still think that's what gay men are supposed to be like. Yeah. So when they're at the bars and they're at the clubs, they're not, 
feeling confident. They're not, they're feeling like they don't deserve any, like, attention and that, like, they... connecting with their community. And they can't, like, be choosy with who they get. So they're going to pick anyone who gives them a a little bit of attention. Mm -hmm. Uh, At this time, MacArthur would be in his 20s and 30s, which is the kind of most active age, uh, typically, of serial killers. And at that time, he did work at um, the Eaton Center, or it just said Eaton's, so I think it was before. It was called the Eaton Center? Yeah. Um, So he worked there, which is kind of like on Young Street, but a little further south. Yeah. And that was kind of like the area where a lot of the victims were last seen. So possible, but not necessarily. It's just circumstantial. Yes. Um, and kind of, like, the last thing that really struck me was, like, how you can see, um, who is, like, who is the most vulnerable during these times by the, these victims, because for, like, in the 70s, it was all these kind of, like, regular type of guys, white dudes, like, cis white men who were abled and whatever, like, they, a lot of them had, like, good jobs, like, CBC technician working in finance, working the government. They weren't, like, these, these guys who were, you know, like, super, like, flamboyantly gay yeah. or whatever. They weren't, like, sort of, like, the, the gay, super feminine stereotype that a lot of people associated with gay men when it became more... I guess more popular in media to be able to openly present as gay. Like that's oftentimes when people will think, oh, that's a gay man. He's going to be presenting in a very feminine way. Yeah. And like, but these guys were just kind of like regular Joe type dudes. Yeah. With Bruce MacArthur's current victims, you look at them, they're all brown, all of them, but Kingsley that we know of, um, were like brown migrant men who were isolated from their communities who couldn't fully participate in the gay community and had to leave double lives because they weren't out to their families. Like, there's a lot of reflections of who... who is, like, super vulnerable. Back when it was any gay person was was someone, you know, that was wrong or needed to be fixed or whatever, you know, then anybody who was gay could be a victim but now we're seeing that as like white cis abled and middle class gays get more representation and more acceptance the victims are now becoming the people who are still very vulnerable that we still have to look out for you know like racial minorities and and people with disabilities and all that sort of stuff they're they're still at the same i guess level of protection can I, can I tell you something? What? Um, a lot of the disabled community preferred disabled you... over than people with disabilities. Oh, sorry. Um, it's something that's changed a lot over mm-hmm. the years. Um, like, before the disabled community, like, fought for person-first language. All right, we've um, about... I'm sorry. I forgot. It's my... It's totally, my like, it's a learning curve. Yeah. And, like, um, some people do ident- prefer... Um, person first identities yeah and so like um that's why i'm not gonna like jump down your throat with it it's just like it's okay to say disabled um i just don't not never too sure because sometimes people disabled people do refer to self themselves as disabled person and some people the other way around yeah i'm never too sure which one as me as an able-bodied person should use yeah and like it's changed and like um people who've been who are like older and in the disabled like disability communities they tap like i noticed they typically kind of lean towards person first language um but yeah just to check in with you it's not like a no i just i did, I just, I did not I'm, I'm not too sure but i i think because you're speaking from the community it makes more sense yeah, like it's, you. um, like you're someone I know. Yeah, and so like, 
um, right now the kind of prevalent um, kind of discourse on this is that um, we need to make the word disabled not feel like a bad word. Yeah. um, Which is why people do prefer it because it it's like a huge part of their identity and it is something that you can't really remove. It's not just like I'm a person and I also have a disability. It's I am a disabled person. Like Mm -hmm. there's nothing about me that my disability doesn't touch really. Um, But like, as I said, like different people have different feelings. um, And so kind of like broadly it's best to use disabled, but then on an individual level you use whatever the, person Person prefers yeah that's her anyways that was my case (laughs) (laughs) okay um wow i took a long time with it i mean you have like a lot more to say than not that i don't have anything to say (laughs) a lot more stuff because like mine well, I'll just, I'll, just, I'll just tell you guys about it. Um, so, uh, the case that I'll be covering today is the Cleveland Torso Murders, or some people called it the Mad Butcher of Kingsbury Run. And Kingsbury Run is a place, and I'll get into that later. Um, so, these happened... Redressing. These happen in Cleveland, Ohio, in Kingsbury Run. So Kingsbury Run is a neighborhood. This neighborhood was also um, was known to be where there's a lot of um, poverty and, and uh, a lot of people in need. It was sort of the place where people could kind of go missing and no one would really notice. Or no one who could get other people to notice would have much, um, much effect in trying to get attention. Um, so these happened in the 30s. Uh, so really cold cases. Yes, real real, real cold. Oh, the, the ones that were absolutely confirmed happened in the 30s. Um, so I'm just going to get this out of the way. Who did it? We don't know. That's we why don't it's know. a cold it's case. A cold case. <laughs> we, we, don't, we don't know at all. And I don't think we'll ever, we ever will because in the 1930s, the evidence. Yeah. Yeah. There was very different protocols and technology like just was touching junk with your bare hands <laughs> there and weren't computers and and testing was... and DNA was like Wasn't... we were just learning what DNA. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not totally sure when DNA things were like up. It, I don't remember. I remember I learned about it, but I don't remember when it was. It wasn't in the 30s. <laughs> is what I'm trying to get at. <laughs> um, so I'm going to give you a, a content warning because obviously something called the torso murders is going to be a little bit um graphic a little bit graphic uh so mainly mutilation body mutilation is is sort of the the big thing here um other than murder uh so between 1935 to 1938 12 people were murdered and dismembered um the same way so it's 12 people like confirmed there are about eight other um, victims that they think might be related only because they're in the area, but the MO doesn't essentially really fit all that well. But, I mean, depending on in the timeline, it yeah. could be like early killings or, or we, trying to switch up the MO to not yeah, be caught, caught or who, we we don't know. Um, so I'm going to talk about the victims because that's what we have the most information on. And by most information, I mean most of these people, they couldn't even identify um, due to, uh, well, I'm going to get into it later. Um, so the first victim to be found, um, but not killed. So I'm going to list them in orders that they, in orders, in the order that they were found in, not the order that, that they were presumed to be um, murdered in, if that makes sense. Uh And this uh, victim was one of the few who was actually identifiable. Um, His name was Edward Andrassi. He was found September 23rd, 1935 um, in the Jackass Jackass Hill area. It's it's a place in Kingsbury Run. I see you smiling. (laughs) I was just like, wait, it's actually called that? Yeah, yeah, yes. 
Jack Hassel area and Kingsbury run. Things were a lot cooler in the 30s. <laughs> well, like in the, in maybe very names of tiny, <laughs> it like some of the fashion inconsequential maybe. ways. Yeah. like not the actual <laughs> social <laughs> and economic other, yeah <laughs> <laughs> 30s was not actually was a very bad time for a lot of people I mean, wasn't it like it was the depression yeah i was gonna say like wasn't that the, the, the depression <laughs> it was also like pre-civil rights movement yeah so, i mean the civil rights that we have now yeah where we are now the reason that you and i are allowed to sit together basic in human a, in, rights in a room right now the fact that we can be on the internet is yeah. <laughs> the it's civil rights we're talking about. Exactly. Um, so even though not much is known about the killer, um, a, uh, the, it's believed that the killer took advantage of uh, Kingsbury Run. Um, it's harder to keep track of people. It's a uh, poorer community, so no one would really, quote unquote, care. Um, so it was, I guess, easy victims. Yeah, I've heard of this place before. I feel like there's been other cases in this area, or there was a TV show. Well, I'll I'll I'll, I'll get into more stuff later. Um, so Edward Andrassy was found um, lying about thirty feet from the second victim they discovered. Um, so a John That's Doe, far. yeah, a John Doe who um, the authorities believed to be actually the first victim who was murdered. Um, Andrassy, like many of the victims, was uh, so dismembered that's why it's called the torso murders because they were all dismembered and decapitated um so it was literally just their torsos that they were finding right or um, were their body parts found like kind of scattered around it depends on the person i guess you'll get into it yeah so andrassy and the second victim or i guess technically the first victim were the only two who were castrated oh yeah um the, so uh, they were the early victims. Yeah, they were the first two that they confirm they could confirm were like the, the same person. That's so strange because usually the violence escalates, not like skip a step. <laughs> like, like you know what I mean? Like, yeah. typically it's like, oh, that's a the person gets killed. Oh, the person gets their arms chopped yeah. off. Oh, the next person gets everything but their head, and no, then it's, it's like pretty consistent. That's so strange. Yeah. I wonder, like... But there's there's also something else with this one. Um, this The sec the first guy who was murdered, um, his skin... That was skin, the John Doe, right? The John Doe. Well, there's many John Doe's. Uh, John Doe A. John Doe A, or John Doe 1. Um, his skin was chemically treated, so when they found him, he was red, and his skin was, like, red and, like, leathery. Um, he was also supposedly killed about three or four weeks before Andrassy was. And Andrassy was found two to three days um, after he was murdered. Was his skin treated or no. was just the first victim? It was victim? just the first victim. So the first official victim had his skin treated. The first and second, both were castrated. It was like de-escalating. That's... But like, <laughs> it makes me wonder like... Okay, just like keep going because maybe yeah. things will reveal themselves. So the next victim to be found, um, also one of the few who was actually identified, was Florence uh, Genevieve Polillo. Um, she's also one of the few female victims. Uh, she was found between January 26th um, to February 7th, 1936. And what I mean by that is that um, she was found on the street in downtown Cleveland. Um, and I guess they found bits in pieces of her later on um unfortunately her head was not recovered but oh. they were able to identify her in other ways um next found was the tattooed man on june 5th 1936 in kinsbury run the tattoo ma- tattooed man is i think one of five of the victims whose they faces they molded to try to see if anyone could identify them because they were so unique looking they're like oh someone must have must be able to recognize this person so we can identify them. There, no one knows who the tattooed man was. And you would think the tattoos would be like a giveaway, but I guess like at that point, tattooed people were typically um, Covered, either yeah. like military yeah. or um, like criminal. I guess like we, yeah, we, it wasn't. <coughs> excuse me, as common as it is now yeah uh the next john doe was found on july 22nd 1936 in 
Brooklyn, so west of Cleveland, he was the only known west side victim. Um, and just to reiterate, all these victims were dismembered and decapitated. Um, so um, oftentimes they just found the torso. I don't think they found this guy's head, unfortunately. Um, the next one was found on September 10th, 1936, in Kinsbury Run. Only half of his torso was found. Nothing below the hips and not his head. Half of his torso? Yeah. Like, left and right or up and down? I think, like, from here. Because your hip, your hip, your hip bones are technically right here, right so near your belly button. So it must be, like, like, just the the navel part. Like, like, just this, maybe. Like, from, I guess, neck to, like, your belly button, basically, is how I understood it. Okay, so the opposite of what I was saying. What were you thinking? Like, from here to the, like, hip bones, like... Oh, so, like, not even chest, you were thinking? Yeah. Oh, okay. Like, the... Just, just like the middle, midsection? Yeah. Oh. I didn't, I didn't think about it that way. What if it's, like, left and right, though? That, to me, makes no sense. Like, I... in ter- As gruesome as it sounds in terms of murdering people, I guess anything is possible. But, like... I guess it would be harder left and right. Because you would have the spine, yeah, all the way. Like a lot of like ops, ops. Wow, <sighs> murdering people. Anyway, <laughs> so the um, the next victim. There's twelve victims that they uh, that they think are the same person. The next one is uh, Jane Doe, who they found on February twenty third, nineteen thirty seven, um, at Euclid Beach on the Lake Erie shore. Um, her head was not found. Another Jane Doe, Jane Doe 2, was found on June 6th, 1937. So it's been, uh, I believe, two years? Yeah. Yeah, two years. Um, and she was found uh, beneath the Lorraine Carnage, Carnegie Bridge. Uh, she was the only black victim. And she was missing one rib. Uh, and her head was never recovered. Her, her head was recovered, and she was one of the ones whose faces they made into like a plaster to try to see if anyone knew who she was and once again no one no one knew her it's the mo is just so strange (laughs) like it almost seems like super purposeful in a sense like super like utilitarian like they they were using the body parts for something they were using the skin for something they were using the testicles for something the rib for something like they needed a certain thing and they found a victim they're like okay well like let's see if i can get it from this person yeah whatever maybe Uh, they were trying to make like a frankenstein well if they they were probably monster whatever (laughs) clearly they 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 failed because we don't have one of those and thank god because those people did not deserve that if that were the case um the next john doe i think i'm on john doe five um was found on July 6, 1937. Um, he was pulled out of uh, Cuyahoga River. Um, his head was never found. This Jane Doe, the next one, I think believe the, uh, she has the most information on her, even though she was unidentifiable. Um, she was uh, the 10th victim. She is found on April 8, 1938. Um, Cuyahoga Cuyahoga River is where she was found, or her lower leg was found on April 8th, 1938. And then on May 2nd, her um, thigh was found floating in the river um, east of West Third Bridge. And then under the bridge, a little time after, um, a burlap sack containing her torso that was cut in two halves, um, her other thigh... And the left foot were found, and not by the police, but her, her, I guess her case, or she was called, um, the Lady of the Lake. Wow. Yeah. Oi. That was all disgusting. Yeah. It is very unfortunate that she was murdered in general, but that all of her was scattered all over the place like that it's just like like i'm trying to understand it and it's like 
there are some serial killers and their M.O.s make sense in a weird way. Like, you can... You can make see. the connections. You yeah. can be like, okay, I can see how this led to this led to this. Like, you know, people who pick, you know, victims who all look the same. Or yeah. people who recreate a traumatic event from their life or, you know, um, a specific fantasy that they have. Yeah. This one is so weird because it's like, there is some similarities in the like, dismemberment. Like, all of them are dismembered. Yeah. But, like, now I'm starting to understand why there are eight maybe connected, but maybe not. Because, like, maybe <laughs> there was a whole aspect to this experimentation that had nothing to do with dismemberment. It's that we... And, don't. like, oh, jeez. Um, next, another Jane Doe was found on August 16th, 1938, um, in Lakeshore Dump. Her head was recovered. Um, and the last official discovered victim, the 12th, uh, John Doe on August 16th, 1938, uh, discovered at the, at the same time as the Jane Doe I just mentioned, uh, his head was found in a can. In a can? Yeah, I, yeah. Like a, like garbage can? Or I, like I, a I presume so, like one of those, like, can. those big metal, like garbage tin cans, because if she was found in a in Lakeshore dump, then, Yeah, you know, okay. Um... So, there were two suspects. I'm not entirely sure there was much, much information on how exactly they came to this decision, but the first suspect was Emma, a Frank Dolezal, hopefully in no relation to Rachel Dolezal, um, who was 52, and he died suspiciously in Cuyahoga, Cuyahoga County Jail when they were about to try to prosecute him for the murders. And then he just suddenly died. Died in jail. Yeah. So are, is it suspicious because, like, the police might have done it because they didn't have enough to prosecute him? Or? Mm, I, th- I think it was suspicious because it before they could really try to do anything about it, he was gone. He, so he died. So he might have, it might have been self-inflicted? I don't know if it was self-inflicted. Maybe, like, he knew something, perhaps, and something happened. Like, if the thing is in the third. He could have had a hit out on him. It could have been literally anything at this point i'm I mean, just trying to figure out what like what the, died suspiciously means died suspiciously I, I the way i when i was looking, looking at it, i'm trying to find information on it the way i kind of understood it is that there's just that the timing of it was weird mm-hmm. yeah but oh. i understand that there's not like a huge amount of information because like i kind of realized like after we had the Kristen nadal episode yeah um I realized that, like, a lot of news places do archive really old, um, or not even just, like, really old, but just, like, things from, like, five, ten years ago. Yeah. Um, for, like, bandwidth or whatever. So, like, it's hard to find information from, like, Mm -hmm. the 30s. You'd have to, like, actually go and find, like, microfiche or whatever. Something ridiculous I'm not gonna do. (laughs) Um, so... Not on our $7 of Patreon (laughs) donations. Yeah, it's not happening. $7 can't get, even get me to your place. So that's not (laughs) happening. But it is very much appreciated. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Send more. (laughs) So, a doctor by the name of Francis E. Sweeney no relation to the fictional Sweeney Todd. Um, that would be a little difficult. I know, right? <laughs> um, and a veteran of World War One was sus- suspected um, due to his amputations in the medical unit during the, the war. Um, he oh, failed. I see. I could totally see it being like medical experiments. Um, he failed two professional polygraph tests, um, and many people were convinced that he um, had done it based off of what little um, interrogation that they could do with him. However, um, they could not pursue this because Francis E. Sweeney's first cousin um, was a congressman, um, Martin L. Sweeney, and a political opponent to the, um, the, uh, what's his name? Sorry. Uh, Elliot Ness, who was working on the case, so... That name sounds familiar, too. 
Elliot Ness? Yeah. I might have just read this case before. <laughs> Maybe you could have, potentially. Um, and also, Sweeney committed himself before they could pursue this case any further. Um, however, uh, Ness, he received threatening postcards with Sweeney's name, um, threatening his family and his livelihood up until the 50s. Um, and then Sweeney died in a veteran hospital in 64. So we'll never know. So we'll never know. And then, in 97, there was a theory that perhaps these murders were all different people. That the uh, the analysis during the autopsies were um, inconsistent in the sense where um, they don't think the the uh, coroners were properly checking for, like, a... Um, consistent like the uh, cutting uh, cutting and whatnot to make sure like every single victim was killed and uh dismembered by the same person um furthermore the coroner who was the successor to the original coroner on the case uh his name so the successor's name is samuel gerber uh like the gerber baby <laughs> i just keep throwing references out there um Sorry. Where was I? Gerber. Yes. Oh, right. They feel like he might have been addicted to the attention and the sort of success of a previous uh, murder trial he was on for Sam Shepard. So they thought maybe he... And he had gained sort of a reputation for, like, sensationalizing, like, cases and his theories. So they think maybe this guy was just... He was trying to get that. <clears throat> like I did it again. Like, like, look, I found another serial killer. So that is also a potential. Like maybe none of these are actually connected, and it's just someone hoped they were. Yeah, yeah, because that would be important to know. Like, if uh, were they all like cut with like a skill tan, or were some of them jagged, or were some yeah. of them like whatever? They could all be, like, really, really different. Yeah. But, it, like, and in... that would explain why some of the bodies were so different. Yeah. Like, and why, on, like, some parts were found and some parts weren't. Like, some people had been couple of the hip. One had a rib, rib removed. Two had their, two were castrated, you know. All these different things. Yeah. Or maybe it was, like, a group. Like, a cult or something. And like... like a lot of different people trying to come towards the same end. Yeah. Because, like, I don't know. I'm, like, a conspiracy theorist. Yeah. So, like, my brain goes straight to, like, what if it's, like, like, they were trying to, like, raise the dead. Yeah. Or they, they needed specific parts for, like, you know, their idea of, like, resurrection spells or summoning spells or something. Maybe like, it was one of those things where, like, labs needed body parts this experiment on there weren't enough dead bodies so they just because that was a thing right people would murder people to like get parts and sell them to labs mm -hmm. labs being like oh you just have this foot i needed a foot to experiment on and not ask and where they, it came from yeah and then they just dispose of the rest yeah so and especially since it was the depression people need money people need i like really maybe it was for food consumption they didn't take i i'm assuming that just because all the heads weren't found doesn't mean that like someone like ate them or anything i feel like if if there was someone eating people it was probably all the other limbs that they mm -hmm. couldn't find because think about it like the extremities would be the best limbs because it would be too difficult to harvest any meat from the torso because there's a lot of guts there and that the you would have to clean and heavy. whatever so like it would make sense. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time people ate people in desperate times. Donner party. <laughs> <laughs> I can make references, too. <laughs> um, so here's kind of a, I don't want to say pop, cult, pop culture reference, but um, in 2017, so not that long ago, a movie came out called The Kingsbury Run, which is based off the Kingsbury um, murders. And then... Also, there are some people who have studied this case who think the Black Dahlia might have a shared killer with 
at least one of these victims. Because she was, like, cut in half, right? Yeah, and she was dis- uh, Was she dismembered? I think- I read I read the book and some stuff on the case. I don't remember the details exactly, but there was- I think there was some separation, but all of her parts were found together. Because it looked like a mannequin in yeah. the side of the road until the person came up to it and was like, oh, dead body. Yeah. So they think after after some time, they're like, oh, there might be a connection. This could have been like the person sort of practicing dismemberment and cutting a torso and seeing how that because she was there was a lot of torso work done on the Dahlia. So she could be getting some practice in. Who knows? We will never know unless we find a way to go back in time to solve all these unsolved cases. We're just, it's, it's too late to try to really piece everything together when they didn't really hold on to evidence the way that we do now. They didn't realize, not that there was really anything to. And they didn't know the thing. Like, I believe the thirties is before there were even real knowledge about serial killers like actual before serial killers before like forensics before a lot of things that we find common in cases now Mm -hmm. it just is like oh we got a detective he does all the work or the cop or whoever and that's it and i mean the 30s was also a time where like the cops could just like beat people up until they said what they wanted them to say exactly so like who knows what any of this could be. It could have been, like, that cop who's addicted to it could have been doing it so he could orchestrate, like, a whole... The coroner? Not the coroner, but the... Was it the coroner that was like, I found a serial killer? Yeah. Oh, I meant... I thought it was the prosecutor. No, no, no. It was the coroner, because he worked on um, the, this, the Sam Shepard uh, trial. And this this was his second one, and he's like... Well, maybe he he wanted the, like, notoriety of mm. finding the serial killer, but he also wanted that, like, notoriety of himself of, like, never getting caught. Yeah. Like an inside, inside job. I mean, it's, I like, a really bad theory. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think, just based on what little we know, I feel like maybe half of the victims are, like, the same person. Half of the, the, the confirmed victims have half of the 12 are like the same person maybe yeah like maybe the first two are like one person and then like the jane does maybe or like another, another yeah or like the ones that never had their head found or one and it makes me wonder like but the ones whose heads were found because the 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 last guy his head was found pretty quickly like, it was in a, a trash can nearby, near the, 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 the second last victim. Like, the first two were placed really close together. The last two were placed really close together. The, um, the, the only black victim and the lady of the lake were found at different times, but in the same place. And then, and the thing is, though, not all victims were, like, most of the victims were from Kingsbury Run, but not all of them. So not all of them came from a very poor neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Most, but not all. So it's not even like there's there's no consistency in the victim in the victim. Yeah, I like to use the word victimology. <laughs> Makes you feel smart, don't it? Yeah, um, it's like I'm a real crime writer or something. <laughs> so it's like. I guess if you just based off of like off of like this dismemberment, yeah, they could be the same person, but there's a lot like... of like differences. Yeah, too. So it's like That's how often spooky though. That's spooky to think there could be In up t- to like twelve I mean... different people who were just dismembering bodies. In, In two years, twelve people in two years. Like, you could be walking down the street. One of, one of the women was found, like, just off the street. Or, I guess, her torso. So it's like... Yeah, it looks... Like, it does sound like there is a lot of differences, because some of them is, like, really bold, and some of them is, like, hiding in dump sites. Yeah. Like... 
there's like no there's like no method to the madness as they would say unless it is like a sort of like unless that's the intention yeah or like serial killer experimentation like what if there was a serial killer who never settled on an mo i i guess unless like it was just like experimenting with what you can do with dismemberment like i feel like if some person was that curious about the kind of dismemberment they could do they wouldn't take I don't know, like, maybe, I don't know, I just feel like it would be, it wouldn't be like that. Someone who travels for work a lot, even if it's in, like, the same area, like, they, they drive around a lot, and so then there's, like, in different areas, you have different levels of getting caught. Yeah. And so you can do more or less, or you can throw the bodies in plain sight or yeah. you have to hide them and whatever. Like, they had enough time to dismember a person. There's only one... I forgot to mention this. There's only one member... Uh, I believe the third victim they found was the only one who was still alive while being dismembered. They know that much. Oy. Yeah. At least it was just the one. Yeah, but as far as they could tell. But I don't know how accurate... Well, I guess yeah. you can't really tell with, like, the lady and the lake or whatever, because she, she would have been submersed for so long. Yeah. I don't like any of this. <laughs> Neither do I. Like, besides, I don't know, like, the blatant racism racism and other things in the 30s, just, like, thinking about, like, old times and, like, how... People just, like, murdered. Like, how much... People can still get away with murder now, but, like, incredibly how much easier it is it would be for someone to kill you, and then there's only so much they can do to be able to figure that out back then. Like, if you're, if I'm going to get murdered, you better find out who killed me. Yeah. But it's a lot harder back then. Jeez. It's scary. It's real scary. I guess that's kind of the, like, upside to this, like, increased surveillance, increased monitoring, whatever, is that... It just is less possible to get away with crime, so people, but I feel not... like, are committing fewer. Like, now it's becoming the type of crimes where they're like, well, I know I'm going to be caught anyway, so I'm going to off myself. Yeah. Or whatever, you death by cop or... Yeah, or something that will essentially mix it so they cannot be persecuted for the crime they committed. Yeah. But, like, would I say I I do feel safer in a sense in modern day, because I've only ever lived in modern day, but, like, every time, <laughs> like, something big happens, like, very, very gruesome and dramatic, I'm like, this, and, like, it, it, you don't hear about it for a long time, it's like, well, like, truly, even if we were, at, like, I don't know how super security we'll be able to get in our lifetimes but I don't think there's ever going to be a point in my life where like I won't have to worry about or not worry but you know how that, that feeling back in my mind where like I could be walking somewhere and someone could just like freaking like turn me inside out and I don't think it. they do it in the street though <laughs> no but I mean like <laughs> yes, in, that's like, if you get taken to a second location yeah you know People are people are scary. The things the things we're capable of, and I mean, to do another person. I mean, and we have like so many unsolved cases in Toronto. Um, there's a database that stems that spans from like the late fifties to two thousand and fifteen, and there are six hundred cold cases in Toronto. The people and like a lot of them are from the last like ten years. Or whatever. That's a lot of people. There's a lot of things. And that's unsolved. Yeah. That's not solved. There's a lot of things to be scared of in this world. But, like, if there's one thing I'm definitely not actively scared of. Like, obviously I wouldn't leave my house if I was actively scared of it. But, like, like murder is just. It's scary. It's scary. Because, like, you walk around people all the time. People are always around you. You're 
sit next to a person on a bus, you're walking down the street, there's a person, like, you're sitting in a restaurant, there's a person, like, we're all supposed to live mostly harmoniously, and then one day someone can be like, you know what, I'm going to end your life today. I've decided that's what, that's what's going to happen. It's scary. It is. We should um, come up with a like a mini segment for the end of these episodes, so that it's not just like okay, and then death happens. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not really good at transitioning from like, oh man, this is like the shittiest thing in the world, and then there's nothing after. There's like no segue into like to anything. If you have any ideas of things we can end the episode with. Yeah, good pick-me-ups. <laughs> Give us a shout on yeah. Twitter, Instagram. That's your kind of more communicative platforms right now. Yeah. Uh, Twitter is at SickSadWorld, SSW. And Instagram is Sick underscore Sad underscore World. <laughs> That's our Instagram. Yeah. Isn't it underscore pod? It is. You're right. It's been a while. <laughs> All the info will be down below. Uh, I'll put the Facebook link as well. Um, but I will admit I, it's very neglected. Um, you can also support us on Patreon so yes. we can keep making our awesome content. We have one of those. Um, and you can find us at patreon.com slash sixsadworldssw. Yep. And if you're feeling a little old fashioned, you can almost e- almost also email us. Yes, that's true. It's... And you can email us comments, yep. concerns, yep. questions, exactly, topic ideas, yeah, case ideas. If there's like anything you've really been wanting to hear on our podcast, and we haven't like touched on it yet, let us know. And don't forget to leave us a review if you listen on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Exactly. Uh, It helps us be seen by other people. And then the more people who listen, the more likely we can get paid for the work that we do. Which is a surprisingly large amount of work. It's a soft For a hobby. (laughs) It's so tight. And then we're also emotionally exhausted. (laughs) And think about how much better quality of everything, like research, sound recording stuff. Yeah. My ability to formulate sentences. Yeah. If we were paid for it. Exactly. Support your creators. Or support content creators. Or whatever you want to call us. Is that everything? Did I? Yeah. We got we got our plugs. We got our... We got our... Patreon. Yeah. I think we're Gucci. I think we're good. Cool. Do you want to do the sign off? Sure, I will. So, seriously, I mean it because I'm still feeling paranoid. (laughs) Don't be a murderer. And we'll talk to you guys next time. And give us money. Okay, bye.